On your Thursday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors bounce back from a flat performance against the Spurs but fall just short against Pascal Siakam's Pacers. We'll dig into the late game execution, the Siakam tribute, and Scotty Barnes looking very much like Scotty Barnes. Oh, because like, when I shot, I expected to make it. So like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of Lockdown Raptors, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Thursday, February the 15th, and I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for 10 seasons on various platforms. You can follow my work over on the website that sucks, at Woodley Sean. You can find the show on Instagram at Lockdown Raptors. And of course, you can join us over on the Lockdown Raptors Discord server, a great little listener community we got building around the show with diehard listeners just like you who want to talk about the Raptors all the live long day instead of doing work at their office jobs. Uh, come hang out. We'd love to see you in there. It's a great place to be. Link in the description. It's free to join as always. Uh, of course, you can find the show for free on your favorite podcast apps. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend. Always appreciated when you support the show, however you support the show. And we are on YouTube as well. You can go subscribe to the video version of the show each and every day on the YouTube channel. We are nearing 4,000 subscribers. Let's get us there by the end of All-Star Weekend, please. That would be very nice if you could go do that if you haven't subscribed yet. Also, while you're there, hit the notification bell and you will get a heads up every single time the show is about to go live or premiere you can come hang out in the chat with all the little sickos who like to hang out in the chat. So, yeah, do it, please. All right, on today's show, breaking down a wildly entertaining Toronto Raptors-Indiana Pacers game, Pascal Siakam's emotional return, Scotty Barnes marauding in the open court, and some late-game execution that let the Raptors down. We will get into all of it, and we'll do that with the God of the Game recap from Raptors Republic. It's Jamar Hines. Jamar, how are you, my man? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I am encouraged after uh, you know how flat and lifeless that monday game against the spurs was by how the raptors came out in this one a pretty hot start look we'll get into the defense i'm sure it was pretty putrid for long stretches of this game but to their credit they shut things down in the fourth quarter just so happens that the pacers defense also shut the raptors offense down you could argue the raptors offense shut the raptors offense down down the stretch as well uh but jamar i feel like the place to start here Coming off of Monday, where Scotty Barnes uh, left the bench early, had maybe his worst game of the season, he came back and fully bounced back with one of his better games of the season, I'd argue, in this one. 29-12-8, 12-22 shooting, goes 0-4 from 3, but just kills the Pacers in open court, You know, transition opportunities, scoring around the bucket, deciding, I'm going to go coast-to-coast, whatever I want, and score on this porous Pacers transition defense. What were your impressions of Scotty Barnes in this one coming off of that uh, very, very, uh, I think, concerning performance on Monday against the Spurs? Yeah, that's what a lot of it was, where he was just a lot of it was via the downhill variety and not only just the scoring, but he would get a head of steam going downhill and find a a corner shooter or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, it's Indiana's defense. It is what it is. So, you know, might as well take advantage of it. And yeah, it was nice to see Scotty bounce back 
uh, coming off of Monday where, you know, he had, you know, some turnovers and then he would, you know, put his head down or lie back and obviously coming off the, I'm leaving the game a few minutes early. I mean, a few seconds early that was discussed at nauseum over the last two days. And it was a really good conversation that we all liked, right? It was great. Yeah, and then even <laughs> and then the, the the when they were asking Darko about about that, and then Scotty and like the, Darko said that they talked about it, and Scotty said they they, they didn't, and it's like okay, that makes it even worse. Mm-hmm. So we can we can kind of put that all behind us now. Um, hopefully, we don't have that situation again, but. Yeah, this was a pretty good game from Scotty outside of the three-point shooting. Uh, a little bit too many turnovers, though. Six turnovers uh, mm-hmm. down, the, down the stretch kind of bobbled the ball a little bit. But, you know, I guess growing pains, especially down the stretch, those kind of plays. I think one play, uh, Pascal was guarding him, and he tried to drive, and then he lost the ball out of bounds. And then I think one of one of the scramble plays where he kind of fumbled it again. But other than that, yeah, he did a – did a good job finding teammates. He did a good job initiating his own offense. A lot of it was downhill, and you can do things like that against Indiana. Yeah, like not every defense is the Indiana Pacers defense without exactly. Miles Turner and Aaron Neesmith by the end as well. Hopefully yeah, good he's point okay. on Turner. Really yeah. Scary fall. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, you want to see this, you know, translated from the Pacers defense to other opponents that are perhaps a little bit more stout. But as far as, you know, putting what happened Monday behind you, this felt like a pretty good way to kind of close the book on that. I did want to ask you, we didn't really talk about the idea of like suspending Scotty after that. Obviously, the sort of um, Siakam precedent from during the Tampa season where he left a game early, he got one game from the Raptors. Then I think that set people up to maybe think there was going to be some sort of discipline for Scotty Barnes here. I frankly thought that would have been to make a mountain out of a molehill, frankly, I I didn't really think it was necessary there. And I think, you know, the fact that he came out and had this game much better way to sort of put Monday night to bed than having him sit after through a suspension all the way through the all-star break, going into the all-star break, having sat out a game because of what happened on Monday. Um, You know, I, I don't know if the Raptors ever even entertained suspending him, but did you think that was something they should have done? And are you happy in hindsight that they didn't do it? Well, I was under the impression that there was more going on with the Siakam thing. Like, wasn't there like a dust up of Nick Nurse in the back or something like that? Yeah, it was like right at the the sort of nadir of their relationship, probably, I would argue. Yeah, so I I feel like there was more going on in Pascal's situation, which is the reason why they suspended him, while Scotty just seemed like a one-off incident. And it would have been pretty awkward because obviously Pascal returns the next game. Mm-hmm. And then in the game before the all-star break is, you know, they just kind of reckon, you know, recognize Scotty with a, a little bit. You saw him at midcourt with Bobby Webster. And I don't know. It just, it, you would have had this hanging over Scotty going to Indiana and then coming back for the next 10 days. And it just felt yeah. like why it felt like completely unnecessary. So I understand why they didn't do it. And I'm happy that they didn't. Yeah, I think they were vindicated big time by the performance he had. And credit to Scotty. Like, this is it, right? Like, this is the growing phase of figuring out how to be a number one on a team. Pascal even talked about this, right? Even said he had a chat with Scotty about um, sort of riding the ebbs and flows of being a number one, especially for a losing team. It can't be easy to step into this role for a team that's losing a whole bunch of games. 
But I, I think, you know, bygones are now bygones and having that performance against the Pacers, pretty encouraging. Let's see if he can bring that sort of marauding spirit to his play in future games. Obviously, like a Scotty Barnes who's pushing in transition is a very hard player to stop because of the way he sucks in defenses, because of the way he can score over basically anybody. Uh, you know, Scotty Barnes playing like he did last night, like that's the blueprint of Scotty Barnes. I don't even care if the threes fall. Take the odd three here and there, but the bread and butter for Scotty Barnes is being a physical marvel, getting into the teeth of the defense, scoring over guys, and then spraying out passes uh, based on what the defense is doing to try to stop him. So really encouraging stuff there. Overall, I mean, the starters bounced back in this game. They were pretty miserable in that game against the Spurs. You know, they continue to pad their numbers. Um, Jamar, the starters with Gary Trent Jr. is still a plus 12 net rating now. In over 200 possessions played together per clean the glass. We'll get into Gary Trent Jr., who I thought was the weak link of the starters in this one. But did you have any other thoughts on um, the sort of return to form for Jakob Pertle, RJ Baird, and Emmanuel quickly in this one? I thought all three of them had good games in their own ways. Yeah, Jakob really looked good in the first half, especially. Um, him and Scotty had a few things going into pick and roll. Uh, RJ probably had the best start of any Raptor. Uh, I think he had, what, 12 of his 23 points in the first quarter. He was doing the typical RJ thing where he would, you know, just bulldoze into the paint and and, and get there. Um, RJ had, yeah, a, a very solid game. And I, I feel quickly had a good bounce back game. I think quickly shot mm-hmm. pretty poorly in this Birds game. I think he was like two for 12 or something like that. And only one uh, of yeah. five from three in this game. But Only one of five for yeah. three, but, you know, 14 points, seven assists. Uh, I, Darko kind of wanted him to shoot more. He said that post game, but not really anybody in the Raptors was shooting well. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it is. But yeah, six of 26 from deep. The fact that you lost this game by two and had that bad a shooting night for a team that's not been shooting that poorly for the most part this season. That's, uh, you know, it's a variance loss, probably more than anything else. They thought they played well enough to win this game, which is all you can really ask for as they go through this building phase of trying to improve their habits and get things fine-tuned. One thing that they are going to certainly have to fine-tune is their late-game finishing. We've seen it fall apart against in games against, say, for example, the Oklahoma City Thunder. They nearly squandered that game against the Rockets last week. And in this game, they lose the fourth quarter by four points. Their defense locks in, but their offense simply can't get it going. We're going to talk about the late game execution for this team coming up in just one second, which is obviously, for most teams, the biggest hurdle to figure out when you're young and learning. We'll come and get into that coming up in just one second. Today's show is brought to you by Robinhood. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from other retirement account retirement accounts with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with 3% match. That's This offer is good through April 30th. Get started on Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024, validated by Global Market Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk, including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of the first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to specific terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker dealer. 
And we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Jamar Hines from Raptors Republic is here to break down the Toronto Raptors loss to the Indiana Pacers 127-125 on Wednesday night to send us off into the All-Star break. And they sent themselves off into the All-Star break with a bit of a rough run of crunch time execution in this one, Jamar. Uh, You know, there was some good stuff. I thought they got some good looks, in particular the R.J. Barrett look to tie the game, you know, kind of backing down Ben Shepard, getting to a spot where R.J. Barrett has been making shots in his sleep since he became a Toronto Raptor, and frankly, throughout his entire career. You know, that was, I thought, a pretty good play design, getting a good look for one of your better players. I didn't even have a problem with Scotty Barnes stepping into that pull-up three late that led to the Yaka Pirtle offensive rebound and two free throws. Uh, big free throws there from Yaka, by the way. Nice clutch free throw making on his end. Um, but overall, a lot of sloppiness down the stretch, Jamar. And I thought the defense was giving the Raptors plenty of opportunities to go and score and pad a bit of a lead. But instead... They just kept on kind of kicking it away, slipping from hand, just kind of very sloppy, just the stuff you expect from a young team dealing with a pressure situation. What were your overall thoughts on the way the Raptors closed this game, particularly in the offensive end? But if you have defensive thoughts as well, fire away. Well, the one defensive possession that really hurt the Raptors was when RJ decided to double Pascal and leave Tyrese Halliburton wide open. Yeah, uh, that, that one hurt. I think it was a, I think it was a one point game, and Halliburton made it a four point game. He made five threes on the night. Yeah, yeah, that that one hurt because that, that one was a brain fart. Like, if you you're gonna leave anybody open, it's not Tyrese Halliburton to double. Yeah. So yeah, so, if someone someone else needed to double Pascal in that situation. So that was like the one defensive gaffe I can think of off the top of my head. Offensively, they did get quite a few open looks. Gary Trent Jr. in particular. He had at yeah. least two wide open threes. He just couldn't knock them down. Uh, the Scotty pull-up three you mentioned, it was almost from the same spot that he had the pull-up before that um, – his foot was on the line. We call that the DeMar DeRozan three-point shot. Uh, that made it a <laughs> one-point game instead of – he still does that. Um, that made it a one-point game instead of tying the game. Yeah, there were some, a couple of sloppy uh, possessions, as I mentioned before, with Scotty, where he kind of fumbled the ball a couple occasions. But I wasn't too, too mad about the looks. Even uh, before Grady Dick came out of the game, um, there, there was some kind of transition – momentum changing type of game uh possessions where he had an open look and he just couldn't knock it down and Grady Dick has been on fire pretty much for the last month so Mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of this is like a make or miss league yeah some possessions could have been better but I wasn't too too upset with the shots that they got as and the the RJ shot is another one at the end of the game that's a very makeable step back like not even a 10-footer it's like in the paint that's something RJ can make uh, mm-hmm. Ben Shepard did do a good job staying in front of him and, you know, forcing him to take that type of shot. But that's when RJ can make. And I do like that, you know, Scotty showing off his leadership a little bit. He was the first one to go to RJ after he made that shot. RJ clearly frustrated with himself to miss an mm-hmm. unmakeable shot. But, yeah, I wasn't, like, too, too frustrated. Yeah, a couple possessions could have been better, but, yeah. Yeah, I felt like just the general crispness of what they were doing was just not there. You know, just like the kind of the ball squirting out of hands and stuff. And the numbers suggest that the half-court offense in this game was actually very bad, which is surprising because the Pacers' defense is very bad. 
The Raptors in this game, a 95.3 half-court offensive rating. Uh, really, really outscored by like 20 points per 100 possessions in the half-court by the Pacers. They made it back in transition where they had like one of the better games any team has had in transition this season. You know, 22.3% frequency. They were running like maniacs. That's 96th percentile among all games this season. Uh, points added per 100 possessions, plus 10.5, 95th percentile on the season as far as transition potency goes. Uh, they scored better than a point and a half per possession in transition. They killed it. That was great. But they don't get transition down the stretch because it did bog down into a half-court game. And credit to them, like a part of this was that they were getting a lot of their own stops and it kind of just ground down to a halt um, on both ends. But yeah, I, I thought, you know, the, the sort of the big landmark plays of the game no problems whatsoever the way scotty stepped into that three i think he was feeling it i think that's a shot you take and obviously they got rewarded with the offensive board from yak and then the the rj thing had no issues with whatsoever the gary threes i'm going to get into the gary threes coming up in the good the bad and the, hmm, that was not necessarily ideal um I felt a bit of an interesting stat kind of digging around this morning, sort of looking at the Raptors since the Pascal Siakam trade on January the 17th. Um, and the stat that popped out is the crunch time numbers for the Raptors since that deal. They've been blown out a lot since that trade, but they've also played a pretty good handful of close games as well. It kind of is surprising to me. Uh, they are currently, since January 17th, fourth in the NBA in clutch minutes played. Uh, 36 minutes uh, of clutch time action. You know, number one is the Bulls at 43 minutes. That's not surprising. The Bulls play every single game hilariously close. Um, but the Raptors right there at 36 minutes. In that time, they are not very good. They're a minus 7.6 net rating team. Their offense is 105.9. It feels like they haven't quite figured out sort of the hierarchy of how they want things to flow in crunch time. At least that's what it feels like overall. Um, but I have to say... Getting 36 minutes of clutch time action in that time, being in close games, whatever, you know, whatever it's the Thunder game or the Rockets game, this one, they've played seven games that have qualified as clutch games, you know, within five minutes, within five points with five minutes or less. I think that's like a genuinely good thing for the developmental process here, right? Like yeah. it, it cannot be a bad thing to be getting some reps in close games, even if the losses keep on piling up. Yeah, 100%. And you even look at, you know, th this is the process. You look at DeMar. DeMar, at later in his Raptors career, ended up being a pretty clutch player. But he had plenty of possessions in, like, 2012, 2013, where the game's on the line and he would dribble the ball off his foot. Something Scotty's mm -hmm. doing right now. Yep. Um, you know, obviously, everybody knows Pascal's um, moments, especially in the Tampa season, where it felt like everything went wrong down the stretch. And I think a lot of the 36 minutes, damn near half of that is the Thunder game because they went to two overtime, right? <laughs> two overtime, so all that would count pretty much. So, uh, but no, this is this is all good. Um, and part of the transition really would be you, you now missing a guy who could command double teams, which is what the Raptors tried to do, and that's how Tyrese ended up so wide open. Mm -hmm. uh, so, and Pascal in this game was pretty good in the clutch down the stretch. He made a tough jumper over um, quickly uh, with the shot clock running out, running out, and one point game with like thirty seconds left. He had a strong driver, RJ, and, and drove it off the glass. So the Raptors are missing a player like that that can kind of get his and also command extra help where, you know, someone could get an open shot. So it takes a little bit of time to, you know, adjust from that. And now Scotty's getting that attention and it's like, how do, how does he deal with that? And 
how does he decide when to score regarding that attention anyway or you know pass it off because i remember in the thunder game people thought he was being too passive and then there was a possession where i think he had the ball and he just held on it forever until the clock was running out and then it was mm-hmm. like what the hell was that so these are just things you got to learn like every young team's got to learn down the stretch how to execute and you know if if the number one option's being double team triple teamed you know who else like the hierarchy of like who who else gets the ball how do they execute i think in this case, you know, sometimes quickly would be that second option. Sometimes mm-hmm. RJ would be that second option. Just depends. But yeah, I feel like this is all things that get figured out over time. Absolutely. Like this is the stuff you're fine with when it comes to young team stuff It is kind of cutting your teeth in close games. You can't cut your teeth in close games if you're getting waxed by 25 points every night, which is where like the sort of baseline of the defense needs to come up. Not every team is going to allow you to score, especially in transition like the Pacers did. So like mm-hmm. if you want to have more games like this, there has to be a bit more integrity on the defensive end. And I thought to their credit, like down the stretch in this game, outside of a couple gaffes where, hey, look, sometimes the two-man gravity of Siakam and Halliburton are going to mess up the way your defense looks. And you're going to have to live with that. That's what they're designed to do. Um, You know, but for the most part, I thought they were pretty connected. I thought there was good communication. And, and, you know, shout out Chris Boucher as well uh, for coming in and having some moments. We'll probably talk about Chris Boucher coming up in the final segment as well as, uh, yeah, he was he was quite nice and a nice addition to the sort of defensive intensity for the Raptors in this one as well. Um, You know. Still want more Barnes quickly actions. I feel like we saw a little bit of Barnes Grady Dick in this game, sort of using that dribble handoff gravity that Dick can have. You know, we saw Barnes use a keeper play, get downhill for a dunk. Um, you know, would like to see a little bit more sort of working the gravity that quickly has as a shooter with Scotty and the sort of multifaceted actions he can run, especially at the elbows. But uh, that's stuff that'll layer in and work out. That's what this is all for. We'll come back on the other side. We're going to close it out with the good, the bad, and the hmm, the way we round out every single recap episode of this here podcast. We'll do that coming up in just one second. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Hungry Root, and right now is a perfect time to get on in with Hungry Root because, look, no one wants to go grocery shopping. The days are getting longer, and while there's more daylight, you don't want to spend that daylight at the grocery store. You want to actually have time to go and enjoy the outdoors Go for a nice walk before dinner. And what if dinner, all the ingredients for it were delivered to you via Hungry Root? Hungry Root is the partner in your healthy living. It's the easiest way to get fresh, high-quality groceries and simple, healthy recipes delivered to your door. All you got to do is take a fun, short quiz, and Hungry Root will get to know your personal health goals, what you like to eat, the kitchen appliances you use, and more. Then they'll build you a personalized cart with all your grocery needs for the week and give you delicious recipe recommendations to put those groceries to use. Hungry Root will recommend recipes and groceries based on your personal taste, but each order is fully customizable. You can take their suggestions or choose anything you want. They've got fresh produce, high-quality meat and seafood, pantry staples, healthy snacks, sweets, ready-to-eat meals, and so much more. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Locked on NBA channel listeners 40% off your first order, and this is important, free veggies for life. Free veggies for life. That is huge. Go to HungryRoot.com slash LockedOn to get 40% off your first delivery and your free veggies for life. That's HungryRoot.com slash LockedOn. Don't forget to use our link so they know that we sent you. Closing out the show here the way we do after every Toronto Raptors basketball game with the good, the bad, and the hmm. A thing that we liked, a thing we didn't like, and a thing that's got us a little intrigued from the latest Toronto Raptors basketball game. And Jamar, I think we're aligned on our good for this one. 
the Toronto Raptors kind of nailed that Pascal Siakam tribute, no? Yeah. I think Kawhi got the best tribute video right? from any returning Raptor. But I kind of want to say that Pascal got the best overall return reception. Even You could even throw Lowry in this. I think Pascal got the best one. Um, I thought them playing off Pascal's uh, Players Tribune where he wrote about you know the 43s in the crowd and he would always mm-hmm. look for one as a young player growing up and he'd always got out that yes anytime he saw one and then he saw more and more and more and then he understood that as time goes on those 43s are going to disappear now that he's on Indiana kind of the sad part but the Raptors in the 119 section, making sure that everybody basically had a Pascal Siakam jersey to wear, and it was mm-hmm. literally like right in front of him. I thought that was such a cool touch. Mm-hmm. Um, that 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 was amazing. And then you, you've seen some of the photos where he's like pointing and just literally a sea of 43s everywhere. Uh, the Pacers broadcast asked him about about it after the game, and he talked about that meaning so much to, to him. So I thought that was just amazing by everybody involved. And, you know, not even just that section. There were, There's 43 jerseys everywhere. If I had want, gone to the game, it would probably be shame on me because I, I never got a Pascal jersey. <laughs> so, yeah, that would have, I, don't know, I don't know what I would have done, but for everybody that was there, shout out to them for that. That was a beautiful moment. You didn't hop on the sales when they were uh, flying off like hotcakes after the trade? Come on, man. These, you got to get these on are, the discount these are the, three, these are the three Raptor jerseys I own. I don't own anything else. Actually, For the listeners, uh, Vince Carter, DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry lined up yeah. and behind Jamar here. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's I mean that's a good jersey collection. I got I have myself uh, I have a Kyle like the the vintage white dinosaur one from a couple of years ago. Got myself a Lamond Murray that I found at a thrift store this summer. Yeah, the wow. face you just made it. Yeah, I was pretty stunned when I found it too. Uh, <laughs> and I've got a Surge one from after he left. Uh, yeah, you know they got a Demar one. You know, you gotta like uh, compile that jersey. Actually, actually, yeah. actually, I have a Bosch one, but my my I, I, my younger brother has it, so I, uh, technically I do have four. Okay, I have a Bosch one that was just so ill fitting for me when I was like a a, a doofus little thirteen uh, year old kid that I kind of think I put it away forever because it just did not fit me properly. And I wore it around all the time like a oh, fool. Uh, <laughs> so you, you, well, that was that was the triple XL era? Yeah, you, it was big yeah. clothes times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Definitely paired them with a pair of Exco jeans or something and looked like an absolute moron. Um, let's, uh, yeah, just my quick thoughts on the Pascal thing. I thought it was beautiful. I thought, um, you know, having all the kids wearing the number 43 on the court as well. And I, I would imagine it's probably it hit a little harder than even the Kyle return, although the Kyle return was pretty awesome as well, just because it's so fresh, right? Like we're less than a month out from the trade. It's been a trying time for Raptors fans. I think there's been a lot of, um, you know, I think some fans feeling, you know, like the team maybe is going to regret what they've done here. Not a huge return from the trade. There hasn't been something to get necessarily get excited about in terms of the fallout of the return from the trade yet. So I think Pascal coming through, it, it just was a a beautiful sort of confluence of freshness and a clearly deservedly beloved Toronto Raptor who 
uh, I am very excited to ship back to the Raptors in four years once his contract with the Pacers is nearing an end, and the Raptors are looking for just that one extra piece to put them over the top. I cannot wait for that run of podcasts in four years' time. Um, what was your bad from this? Wait a minute, game wait a minute. Yeah, just, yeah, what's up? Can I just add one more good because, you know, I, I break the rules here. I just want to make sure I give Chris Boucher a shout-out because here's a guy yes. who missed uh, – who's DMPCD six of the last seven games – Comes in mid-third. You could argue to any reason he was in the game is because Kelly Olenek left in the first half. But nonetheless, comes in the game. You know, he, I, he was strong on the offensive glass, gave Raptors a few extra possessions, and he played well enough to pretty, have a pretty long stint in the fourth quarter. So, you know, it just speaks to his, you know, professionalism and things like that. It's kind of it's kind of all the uh, Thad Young variety where you, he doesn't know when he's going to come in the game anymore, but when he does, he's still, you know, ready to play. So just quick shout out to Boucher for that. Absolutely. Uh, Chris was awesome in this game. And, you know, Kelly Olenek's going to miss some time. He left with a back injury. We'll see, uh, you know, 30-somethings leave with back injuries. That's just kind of the way it goes as a 30-something myself, whose back always hurts after I play basketball. I get it, Kelly. Get well soon. Put some ice on that bad boy. But, yeah, if Chris Boucher is going to be part of the rotation here, I mean, the energy he provides is great. You know, the sort of results from said energy is a little bit sort of up and down over the, you know, over time. But, uh, you know, if he can bottle what he did in this game, there's absolutely a place in the rotation for Boucher. And hey, uh, speaking of like nice ovations and nice receptions, it seemed like him coming into that game was something that got a real crowd pop, which is very nice for a guy who has been, you know, the longest serving Raptor who has been, you know, a subject of plenty of trade rumors this season. Seemed like he was on his way out the door last week for him yeah. to get back in there, see the appreciation from the crowd. Uh, a lot of people were fan favoritism there for Chris Boucher. Yeah, a lot of people were wondering when is he going to play? Is he going to play? So mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think someone tweeted there is even someone shouting, "We want Boucher <laughs> in the back <laughs> for like since like the first quarter." So you got Boucher. So and look, I've understood why he's been not a huge part of the rotation. Right, he's in his thirties <laughs> now. He's probably not going to be part of the next really good Raptors team, but doesn't mean he can't contribute and help right now and maybe this is the thing that gets him back into the good graces of Darko Ryakovic especially if Kelly Olynyk's going to miss some time uh and I'll I'll relish that big time because Chris Boucher is fun when he's cooking. Uh let's get to the bad. What was your bad in this one? Uh I'll let you go first cuz what I have we've already touched on. Was it Gary Trent Jr missing the shots that Gary Trent Jr is there to make? Yes. Yep, that, that was good. that was me too. Uh tough man. Like it's I don't think he had like necessarily a bad game. He was in the right spots. Those are shots that he should be taking. But, uh, you know, if they're still in sort of evaluation mode with Gary Trent Jr., if you're not making those shots, like it's it's tough to reckon, right? And like the, the sort of decision to pay him gets all that much cloudier if he's not going to be someone who can knock down those big looks for you. And again, two for six from three, it's not bad by any means. Yeah, I was about but, to say, he was the yeah. only rapper that made multiple threes in this game. That's actually insane. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. No, it, it can't be too, too much of a bad. I mean, two for six is 33%. It's not like it's two for 10 or something like that. But it's just the untimeliness of the misses, yeah, right? Like, yeah. yeah. They Very were looks that miss. you feel like should go in, and it's just uh, it's tough stuff. My other bad, my other bad was I already mentioned it the the, the RJ double of Halliburton. I mean, double yeah. off Halliburton. That was horrible. Like, especially yeah. th at that time of the game, that was horrible. Yeah, that was rough. Uh, and look, you know, wins and lessons, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, don't leave one of the best shooters of our lifetimes alone. That would be smart. Um, what's your hmm from this game? 
Yeah, this is also based off Gary because it involves Grady Dick. And we're Mm -hmm. going into the second half of the season now after the All-Star break. And I just figure it's a matter of time when they're going to give Grady a nod at the starting uh, shooting guard spot at Gary Trent Jr.'s expense. Mm -hmm. Uh, Grady had an okay game this game. It's not like his game's last couple games where he had seven points. He was, I want to say, three for seven from the field, one for four from three. Yeah, that's exactly what he was. Uh, He's The the little things he does is is showing more now that he's shooting Mm -hmm. well. I thought he had a great pass to Bruce Brown in the first half where he found him perfectly rolling to the basket for a dunk. Bruce Brown was pretty... um, Pretty fired up to play Indiana. He had a, he's he got some dunks that I haven't seen. Like probably his best dunk as a Raptor so far. Um, Which is like walking to the rim in the second quarter. Like yeah. it's wild. Yeah, yeah, um, that, yeah. That was a that was not a great stretch of uh, Pacer defense there. But yeah, I feel like be, the mix of Grady playing well. It almost feels like he he missed a couple threes late in this game where it's just like. He's been so on point lately that it's kind of a surprise that mm-hmm. he, sometimes when he misses. But he had a really nice uh, catch and shoot three in the corner where the ball, he caught the ball and the ball was just gone like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I just feel him being a rookie, the, the team not going anywhere, they're just going to give him that shot just for the sake of giving him that shot. And also with Gary's contract, you probably you may not re-sign him. So they're like, okay. You know, let's see how Grady f- fares in a starting role before this season's out. Let's see, mm-hmm. you know, w- w- how much info we could collect on that. And then, uh, you know, just that gives him more tape to work off of in the offseason to work on his game and things like that. I just feel like it's going to happen. Maybe, maybe like, it'll take, like, another month or so. Maybe the last month of the season, last few weeks of the season, they make that switch. But I feel like it's a switch that's going to happen. That's just me. I don't know if you agree on that, but that's my hope. Yeah, it's tough, man, because I get the logic of wanting Grady Dick to start. I totally get it, especially if you're not someone who thinks Gary Trent Jr. is long for this team, which every day I feel like I'm less sure that he's part of the long-term plans here. But that said, I mentioned off the top, like the starters are kicking ass right now. 213 possessions, a plus 12.1 net rating, 121.6 offensive rating. The defense is at 109.5 defensive rating, which is like, pretty good in today's nba 67th percentile among all lineups like that's good it's got orange on it on cleaning the glass that's good so i i don't know if those results and those numbers are going to matter maybe that's proof of concept enough that you keep gary around and maybe there's it's a worthwhile to get a look at grady in that spot anyway but if the numbers keep on being so impressive for the starters and they keep winning their minutes so substantially then I, I don't know what happens here. It's a pretty interesting sort of conundrum, yeah. I think, for Darko Ryakovich to sort through in the front office, you know, to sort through as well as far as their intentions here. Um, my, hmm, sorry, did you have something you wanted to toss in? Yeah, I, I, I hear the numbers, and those are good numbers, but I feel this year is for development anyway, right? True. So I, I just feel like despite those numbers, they would make the switch anyway just to see how he does. I mean, it's completely harmless. It's at the end of the season where you're mm-hmm. not making the playoffs. So for sure. if you were to start him for a hand, handful of games just to see what's what, I just feels like that makes a lot of sense, despite what the numbers say. 
For sure. And to that point, like I don't think having Grady Dick in that spot versus Gary Trent Jr. affects the development of Barnes quickly or Barrett either, right? Like the, no. the, they'll still get the same effect and maybe even more because Grady, I think, is a little bit more conducive to the Darko style of offense. Um, my hmm with Grady Dick, it's also Grady Dick related, I should say, um, is... Does he just finish at the rim like incredibly yeah. well through contact now? Like, what's going yeah. on here? Last like, three games, yeah, yeah, just like too. five times in the last three games, he's just finished through a whole bunch of contact at the rim. Like, okay, man, that was the most impressive thing from him from this game because he was mm. only one for four from three. But yeah, he had a couple of drives in this game where this was just not happening a couple of weeks ago. So if he's be he if he's you know developing ability to finish at the rim in traffic shoot i'll take that last 14 games for grady dick he's shooting 75 percent at the rim per clean the glass 87th percentile that's awesome that is so good he's also shooting 59 percent from the corners one of the best corner shooters in the nba in that span of 14 games all threes he's shooting 47 percent in that time like if he's going to be like a rim and threes analytics darling guy, like, yeah, sign me up for the Grady Dick starting experience. I'm all for it. And Actually, you know, who yeah. knows if it holds up. But man, oh, man, those are some, some impressive numbers over the last 14 game stretch here. Yeah, I apologize. This has not been the last couple of games because I even remember a, a week ago or something. Didn't he had that cut that Jordan esque layup where you yeah. switch hands with the reverse? So, yeah, it's definitely been a thing. He's growing before our eyes. He was 17 and a half three days ago. Now he's 18. Uh, It's a a beautiful thing. We'll leave it there. Jamar, thanks so much for hanging out, buddy. Always a pleasure to chat with you. Uh, Do you have anything you'd like to promote for the good people out there? Yes, my typical Raptors Republic work. There's a link on my Twitter, Jamar BH on my uh, bio. Uh, I have a recap of this Pacers game up on there. I'm also going to kind of catalog Scotty's uh, first all-star weekend there i mean he's been there before um as a rookie obviously everybody remembers him and maxi <laughs> but i mean as an like a, as an all-star for the first time just kind of like i'll just kind of like have a recap there of everything the fun stuff awesome stuff he does there so yeah, we'll probably go all-star heavy on tomorrow's podcast. I might get someone on the show who's like an all-star sicko. We'll figure it out. Uh, maybe this is time to call on our pal Joey Divine from Round Ball Rock. We'll see. But either way, thank you so much for jumping on and hanging out, Jamar. Love having you as always. Uh, and for you, the listeners, thank you for listening. We appreciate it very, very, very much. You can go find the show for free wherever you get your podcast. Follow, subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, etc., etc. Always appreciated when you support the show. And we'll be back again on Friday to talk about All-Star Weekend. Preview the dunk contest with Jalen Brown, of all people. That's fun. Uh, as our pal Jay Skeets noted, kind of an under-talked-about story that an All-NBA player is doing the dunk contest alongside some G League guys. That's going to be wild. Um, so, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll have fun with that tomorrow. In the meantime, thank you so much for hanging. We'll talk to you then. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.